Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at an even bigger basketball win. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great night so far and that you got some big plans for the weekend. I'm taking the weekend off, but not before hitting this jam-packed Friday night slate as we start the NBA midseason tournament, which I'm coming around on in a bunch of different ways. We'll talk about in a second. But we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors, another game winner, this time from Steph Curry, a scoop shot over Chet Holmgren, a nasty one. 
Um, a very, very entertaining game as the Thunder without Shea Gilgis Alexander pushed the Warriors to the brink. Uh, but Steph puts them over the top. We had the Bucks improved to three and two with a much improved defensive effort against the New York Knicks. We're going to talk about that game from the perspective of both teams. And then last but not least, the Denver Nuggets manhandle the Dallas Mavericks. And I say that because physically it was a complete mismatch on both ends of the floor. And there's a lot going on with the Denver Nuggets defense that I find to be very interesting. So we got three games we're hitting tonight from the perspective of all six teams. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. In case you haven't done so already, it would mean a lot to me if you guys scroll down and just hit that subscribe button as we try to launch this YouTube channel. Don't forget about our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts under Hoop Tonight. Uh, Hoops tonight. Don't forget about our uh, social media feeds, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm doing a lot of film breakdowns on Twitter almost every morning when I wake up and I watch film. It's just clip after clip after clip on there, so you're going to want to pay attention to the Twitter feed. And last but not least, drop mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. We haven't had time today to hit them, but we will hit them starting again next week. So drop those in the YouTube comments, and we'll get to them next week. All right, let's talk some basketball. So Draymond Green talks about after Clay Thompson's game winner that it's just a lot more fun to go to work for the Golden State Warriors this year. It's interesting because like there are specific markers that I always look for for truly great teams, right? And like, you know, the ability to win on the road is a huge marker there, right? The ability to win in clutch situations is a huge marker there, right? I agree with Draymond. The the chemistry, the likability of a team is a big deal. Why? Because you will face adversity along the way. And if you don't know how to, you know, get along, that's going to get in the way in a lot of different ways. This Warriors team is not perfect. They are still really struggling to get stops in crunch time. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But they are definitely in a much better place here through five or six games than they were last year. A lot closer to the vibe that you got in that 2022 season. It's just a, a couple of smart role player signings, right? Like just look, look at how much Chris Paul and Dario Saric just as the basic entry point of the bench defense has vastly improved this team. Now that Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody are consistently attacking with advantages in those situations, how much more successful those two guys have been and how much more consistent they've been offensively, right? And then just in general, that overall vibe and the way that's allowing the group to stay committed to the details when they go on the road. That group was not playing any defense or grabbing any rebounds when they went on the road. And like obviously, in an 82-game uh, sample, you're going to have games where you don't defend super well, and the Thunder sure as hell gave the Warriors some issues tonight. But for the most part, they're hitting a lot of those little check boxes that I look at for teams that have a legitimate chance to win a title. And like again... I think a lot of people were down on the Warriors coming into this season based on what happened last year, but I think people were overthinking it a little bit. They're, they had the same top six guys that they won the title with two years ago. That's why, in spite of all that, I kept them in my list of top-tier contenders, and I think it's even possible that they're better than I expected them to be going into this season. But it's a fun game. So Thunder, without Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they're leaning on... Again, this is a team that has a ton of shot creation down the board. Obviously, Chet Holmgren is like the, we think of him as, as someone that's helping them so much in rim protection and and uh, uh, giving like a little higher level offensive weapon out of the five spot than what they were getting out of Jay Lynn Williams last year, right? But also he can do a lot of stuff with the ball in his hands. They were in a ghost screen with him in the fourth quarter with him and Isaiah Joe where he was the ball handler. Imagine that, taking your center and setting a ball screen on him with your one and having him pop to the three-point line. Again, that's not something that's completely uncommon in the NBA right now. We're seeing it from guys like Yo 
Jokic and Sabonis and, uh, you know, Bam Adebayo does it from time to time. Anthony Davis does it as well. But for a rookie, it's 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 pretty high-level stuff. Draymond Green waxed eloquent after the game about just how impressed he was by Chet Holmgren's overall poise as a rookie, right? And, like, Shea Gilgis-Alexander kind of takes over this offense in a lot of ways, almost like in a heliocentric manner. And so they kind of, like, went into a little bit more of an equal opportunity drive and kick type of game, right? And it turned out that Jalen Williams in particular could just beat anybody off the dribble and get into the paint. Lou Dort was just constantly finding himself wide open as the Warriors would lose him on the perimeter. Really good at using the pump fake to relocate and generate high-quality shots for himself. And then Josh Giddy is a really high-level shot creator, did a nice job leveraging uh, angles and ball screens to get downhill and hit those little short shots over the top of the short order Warriors defenders right and like again like the Warriors they this is a a classic trap game right you know you're you're you just won a, a tough uh a game off of a game winner you're going on a road trip gonna be on the road for a little while you end up in Oklahoma City a tough game and the young kids are playing hard and Shea Gilgis Alexander's out right so like you're not taking the game as seriously as you might normally do and they give you a bunch of trouble, but you just have to execute down the stretch to win the game. And there were three possessions down the stretch that the Warriors executed perfectly on the offensive end to pull out the win. There was a Steph split in pick and roll when he went down the lane. Probably could have got an and one with his little up and under layup. The classic Draymond fake handoff where he fakes the handoff to Steph. It goes downhill, draws that rim protector, throws the lob pass to Gary Payton at the rim for the layup. And then on the final possession, don't mess around. Don't bring a ball screen because that allows the defense to double team you more easily even though Lou Dort's an excellent perimeter defender Steph has a better chance of beating Lou Dort one-on-one than he does any other combination of two players because inevitably they're going to end up trapping or blitzing in that situation anyway and so Steve Kerr leaves Steph on an island and just beats uh, Lou Dort with a, a basic isolation move to his right gets downhill, sees Chet coming, and there's, I screen, uh, I didn't screen, somebody else screenshot, I retweeted it, but there's a, uh, a picture on my Twitter feed of the ball at the top of its arc as Chet Holmgren is fully extended up to block the shot, and it's literally just barely over his fingertips, and I can't get over how insane it is to be able to have the touch while also making the adjustment to the arc to deal with the shot blocker. Like, he's as he's going downhill in this hectic last possession situation, he's making a calculation about how high he needs to shoot this scoop shot while also making sure he has the touch on it to get it into the basket. Just an unbelievable play from Steph Curry, who continues to just be playing at, I, in my opinion, the highest level I've ever seen Steph Curry play at, at least on the offensive end. Maybe, maybe he... Um, you know, isn't as quick as he used to be or something like that. But I, I haven't seen any sort of tangible difference in his speed. And if anything, he's stronger, which has made him a more impactful defensive player. And the offensive command of the game is at a level that I've never seen from Steph Curry. I, I, I think he's peaking right now. And that's good news for an exciting Warriors team that's suddenly getting really big production out of a bunch of, uh, of places that you wouldn't expect it. Right, like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody are both playing really good basketball this year. Chris Paul can't make a three-point shot to save his damn life, and is still doing a great job running that bench unit. Dario Sarch is going to struggle with rim protection, and that bench unit did not defend as well as they normally do in tonight's game. But again, the whole team didn't defend super well in tonight's game. But outside of like a couple of handful nitpicky things, a lot of things have gone really well in terms of the offseason tweaks that they've made. The goaltend call. 
Um, I thought it was ridiculous that anybody thought that the basket should have been overturned. To put it simply, like it's just a matter of what you would do in any sort of normal basketball game, right? Did Steph make the layup? Yes, unquestionably. I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying like, oh, like you never know what could have happened if the rim wasn't, you know, vibrating differently because Draymond hit it. And it's like, cut the shit, man. Steph made the layup that was going in. Like the the Warriors had the ball and the Thunder could not get a stop. And so the Warriors deserved to win. If anything, Josh Giddy also pulled on the bottom of the net, which is the same type of offensive goaltending type of, uh, of situation. I thought the refs did what the refs should do in that situation, which is like, hey, who deserves to win the basketball game based on what happened on this basketball play? And it's like the Warriors. So don't get super nitpicky in the rule book to take away what was a made basket for the player on the floor that is the best player on the Warriors who picked on a matchup he liked, got to his spot, took and made a shot. You know, they deserve to win. That's simple. Um, the one thing I will say with the Warriors right now that's of significant concern is their clutch defense. We talked about this after the Clay Thompson game winner, um, but they're consistently giving up baskets when the game's within five with less than five minutes left. That's something that they're going to have to figure out. A lot of it's execution related. Like Steve Kerr went with an offense defense sub situation at the end of the game, basically bring in uh, uh, Chris Paul. And I think it was, it was either Chris and Clay or Chris and Steph. I can't remember, but uh, I think it was Chris and Clay. And then he would bring in uh, Kuminga and Wiggins for those two and just kind of sub them in and out for offense defense subs. Right. And there was a play out of a timeout where they bring uh, Mark Dagenal sets up just a basic back screen action for Lou Dort, and Wiggins and Kaminga just botch the switch. <laughs> and you're like, I mean, like, what's the point of doing offense defense subs if your best perimeter defenders are going to come in and just not do their jobs, right? You know, like uh, I thought Draymond Green had uh, a mistake that he made on the defensive possession against Chet, like the the one at the top of the key where Chet kind of sort of ran him over, like Chet catches the ball on the perimeter and Draymond's being super physical with him and they're not calling it because in general Draymond gets away with a lot of physical contact and like in that situation in the late game situation they're probably not going to call it which is smart right like be physical there you want to play physical defense in crunch time because you're more likely to get away with it there and you know uh um in most cases like I said most cases the refs are going to be hesitant to blow their whistle right well, Chet kind of makes a move downhill. And again, Draymond, just hold your ground. Hold your ground and keep playing that physical defense you've been playing. As soon as you flop, you make the ref make a call, right? And like, so Draymond flops, which then forces the ref to blow the whistle. He, it's like a 50-50 call. He decides to give the blocking foul, right? And then when you go to the, uh, the monitor, there's definitely not enough to overturn it because like it's a 50-50 call, right? And so you put yourself in that predicament and then Chet gets two free throws. Like, just hold your ground, play solid defense, keep being physical. Chet probably turns it over there or misses because you're playing physical defense on a player who's really thin, right? So, like, again, the defensive execution down the stretch of these games for the Warriors is something they're going to have to figure out because they've had to play damn near perfect basketball to get out of these last couple of games. And again, like there's a version of this where Clay misses that shot, where Steph misses that shot, and things look a little bit differently. A win is a win is a win. I'm not trying to undercut it, but there's always areas for opportunity. And for the Warriors right now, their crunch time defense is a problem. It comes down, for the most part, to perimeter defense. Um, 
And that kind of was a, a, a issue throughout the game. They're just really struggling right now to contain slashers, you know. And like Jalen Williams is a big, strong athlete who can beat people off the dribble, right? And that that's the kind of matchup that will give the Warriors problems from time to time. And they obviously struggle. Uh, uh, they struggled at the end of the Kings game with that, right? Like Malik Monk, just a hard rip through on Gary Payton to get all the way to the rim for a layup. And you know, again, like a lot of that's execution. That's Gary Payton. That's one of your best perimeter defenders. Just has to do a better job, right? That's, uh, you know, Kaminga and Wiggins on that bot switch. Those are two of your better perimeter defenders. They just got to do a better job. That's Draymond Green flopping on Chet Holmgren. That's the best defender on your team. He's got to do a better job. And so as a team, that's the exciting part is they're in a really good spot and they still have a lot of things that they can get better at at this point. I thought it was interesting too that uh, Draymond talked about the two-way guys or the guys that went down to play with these uh, Santa Clara Warriors, um, Trace Jackson Davis and Brandon Pazemski and not having those guys in the in the locker room, he said, was kind of something that sapped the team of energy. And I thought that was really interesting because uh, I would agree. You know, young guys, young athletes are a great way to counter when an older team is struggling to deal with a younger team on the road. Uh, on the Thunder front, I thought that was a great example of just how exciting this team can be. Draymond talked a lot about how impressed he was by Chet Holmgren, just not making rookie mistakes and um, and specifically referred to him as a problem. Jalen Williams is kind of in the weirdest spot on this team from the standpoint of usage because Chet's involved in most of the screening actions. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's getting all the shots. Josh Giddey's basically your second side creator, right? And so like a lot of times Jalen Williams is kind of an ancillary piece and you got to see tonight what he can do when he has the ball in his hands for a larger portion of the game. And that is he's a great athlete who can beat people off the dribble and create his own shot. And Jalen Williams is a very, very good passer for a young wing. It's funny, I've always referred to him as like Jalen Brown with the ability to pass at a higher level. That's kind of the ceiling that I see Jalen Williams being able to reach. Um, I, I, I th- That was a fun game. Again, like uh, a tough tough matchup with the Warriors without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The Warriors are a great um, schematic half-court defense that are going to try to take away the things that make you comfortable, but you were able to win with brute force advantages. You know, Josh Giddy is truly gifted at scoring over the top of shorter defenders. And uh, that, that little pop shot and hook shot that he has in the lane is a is a real weapon for them right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it off? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard, and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve 
with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. All right, moving on to Nick's Bucks. So it's funny because the Bucs uh, uh, have a much better defensive effort and they win and all the talk surrounding a- after the game, it's like, oh, well, they sat Brooke Lopez in a deeper drop coverage. And I, um, for those of you guys who haven't seen it yet, I did a, a huge deep dive on the Bucks and their defensive struggles coming into tonight's game. You can find that on our, on our YouTube feed just a little bit further back. Actually, it should be the video right before this one. Um, uh, but like, I, I, I kind of feel bad for Adrian Griffin in a lot of ways because he's the latest victim in a long line of, of people that I've seen uh, fall into this trap where it's like, as soon as your team starts playing poorly, you blame the coach. It's like the, it's the most, uh, you know, recurring theme from fans that I see, uh, covering the NBA. Like I saw it with Frank Vogel when he was with the Lakers. I, I saw it with, uh, I've seen Warriors fans do it with Steve Kerr. I still, to this day, See Warriors fans complain about Steve Kerr on Twitter nonstop as if he's not one of the two or three best coaches in the NBA. Like Lakers fans are still doing it to Darvin Ham, even though he's doing an amazing job with the Lakers. Like it's a, it's a consistent theme that I see. It's an easy target. It's easy to blame the coach when the players you see are not playing as well as they could be. And too often we don't, you know, apply the requisite amount of blame to the players for not doing their jobs. And so Adrian Griffin has gotten a lot of criticism for running a too aggressive um, uh, pick and roll scheme, basically keeping his rim protectors too far away from the basket, which is hurting their ability to protect on the back line. And so I was excited to kind of dive into the film today and, and really look into it and try to see what specifically was happening on that front. And like, don't get me wrong, like there were some issues there. There were several possessions that I saw where Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis in particular were too far away from the basket uh, in pick and roll coverages and not in a position to protect the rim. Um, Giannis as well, not often enough in his low man position where he can be a really impactful help defender. Uh, but at the same time, that was like maybe, a, a maybe a fourth of the issues that I saw. The vast majority of the issues that I saw were the guys were just doing a bad job. They were just playing bad basketball. And like, there's video of this. I did a whole thread on my Twitter feed. So at underscore Jason LT, you're going to find a full Twitter feed of all the clips that I put together of the... Bucks defense, but like the point of attack guys were dying on screens too often and not competing on the glass in particular. The screen, uh, the screen defenders, Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, were they positioned poorly? Yeah, 
but they also were doing a bad job. Like they also were just straight up not doing a very good job. The uh, help and recover uh, backside guys not doing a good job in terms of making the right decisions for when to uh, commit to helping on a drive versus staying home with a shooter, either uh, helping too far off of a good shooter or staying home off the ball when they should be helping. They were leaving their small guards on islands in in post-up situations instead of helping. Like there, uh, Nobody was competing on the defensive glass. Like It was a travesty down the line in terms of execution. And like a lot of people don't realize like scheme is only half the battle. The scheme can get you so far, but if the execution is isn't there to match it, it doesn't matter. And a lot of times it's it's kind of unfair to properly evaluate a defensive scheme until you actually see it executed properly, right? I talk about this all the time with drop coverage. A lot of times people will say like, oh, drop coverage is, is flawed. And don't get me wrong, drop coverage has its flaws. But in theory, when it's executed properly, it works. If the guy navigates the screen and applies back pressure, the pull-up jump shot's not there. The pull-up jump shot's not there, not there. The guard has to work downhill. If the guard has to work downhill, the rim protector's waiting for him. And he can sit there and, and, and uh, stay behind the roller and the ball handler. Again, like execution is the majority of the battle. And like, did Adrian Griffin make some adjustments today? Yeah, he did. Um, Lopez was sitting further back around the rim. And what did he have, five blocks in this game? Like, definitely a, a smarter defensive strategy for this particular team, right? Um, especially against a New York Knicks team that doesn't have a lot of pull-up shooting outside of Jalen Brunson, right? So, like, I get it. But at the end of the day, also, everyone just did a better job. Dame's been getting cooked all over the floor all season long. But he finally sat in a damn defensive stance at the end of the game and slid his feet and got a stop on Jalen Brunson. He got a huge steal on Jalen Brunson on a dribble handoff, too. Like, Dame is capable of being a much better defensive player than he's shown to this point in the season, right? Uh, just in general, it was a much better effort from the Bucs. And so, again, like, Adrian Griffin is just a coach trying to figure out what works for his team. Is there a, will there potentially be a time 30, 40 games in? Or maybe you have to take a look at a coach and see if he if he is potentially a bad fit. Yeah, but we're certainly not there after five games. We're not there after five games, and especially when it's clear on tape that the players just aren't doing their job. But they did a much better job in 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 this Knicks game. There's still a lot of room for improvement, by the way, right? Like you won by five and you had to make 20 out of 39 threes to win the game, right? Like you still gave, gave up a million offensive rebounds. This is a Bucks team that was second in defensive rebound percentage last year. Coming into the night, they were 14th and they gave up a million offensive rebounds again, right? The crunch time offense, if it wasn't Dame getting to the foul line, there wasn't a whole lot else there, right? Dame got a bucket on a back cut and he had a, a really nice three on a catch and shoot coming off of a screen. But for the most part, they looked a little stuck in the mud offensively. There's still some issues with the Dame-Giannis pick and roll where like Giannis, for whatever reason, is like picking and popping to the top of the key. They're not running it enough. When they run it, they're not spacing it properly, and Giannis isn't rolling hard. So, like, the, there's a lot of area for opportunity here. Dame is still, you know, uh, uh, not quite in full rhythm where it feels like his – like, his Dame is, like, really in full rhythm when he's hitting – you know, when he's consistently getting seven and eight threes in a game, you know, two or three times a week, right? Like, that's the that's the Dame when you know Dame Lillard is really there. He's – he, he kind of has been closing these games with savvy in a lot of ways, right? Like he identified that the Knicks were in the penalty early in the fourth quarter and just started putting a lot of downhill pressure to try to draw fouls and kept getting to the free throw line. Like 
he's a heady basketball player, really good half court basketball player is going to find ways to impact winning. But like he's actually capable of going an entire level above that. This team can rebound better. This team can score in the half court a lot better. They still can defend better. I don't think they'll ever be an elite defensive team with this personnel. There's a debate to be had about whether or not they're going to have to upgrade the two-guard position. I don't think they're getting enough out of either of Connaughton or Malik Beasley right now. So like, there's a chance down the line that you have to do something at the deadline to try to shore up your perimeter defense next to Dame, right? But in the meantime, you're 3-2. and two. And there's a lot of things that you can get better with with just this particular group. And tonight I thought was a good step in that direction. Remember, nothing happens overnight with this stuff. You don't just go from playing shitty basketball to playing good basketball. It's baby steps along the way. And I thought tonight was a good positive step for the Bucks in the right direction. And uh, I, I I think it's ridiculous that we are sitting at three and two and the story uh, the Bucks are sitting at three and two and the story all day was whether or not the Bucks should fire Adrian Griffin, which is just completely ridiculous. Um, on the Knicks front, I have not watched this team particularly closely this year. I have a plan to in the next week. As you guys know, we're tweaking our format. We're doing less instant reactions and more deep dives. And um, obviously, there are a, a clear things. Uh, uh, popping off the screen, right? Like Jalen Brunson looks a lot better now than he did in preseason in the first couple games of the season. Looks like he's finally in rhythm and starting to get the right amount of lift on his shot. uh, Julius Randle is off to just a horrid start to the season. And again, like everything with the Knicks is always about like uh, Julius and, 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 and Jalen and them playing like superstars. When they play like superstars, they're really hard to beat because they're so good defensively and rebounding. Or I shouldn't say... They're capable of being really good defensively, and they're a very physical defense, and they rebound extremely well. So as long as they can do that stuff, they're they're capable of being a really dangerous team. They they overpack the paint, give up too many wide open threes. That was a huge problem in this Bucks game tonight. And then Julius Randle is really really inconsistent. Obviously, not having R.J. Barrett hurt the offense in this game as well. I don't want to talk too much more about the Knicks because I'd rather do a deep dive on them. So uh, we'll probably end up hitting them next week. So uh, Knicks fans, keep an eye on the feed uh, at some point next week, and we'll do a deep dive on everything that they are uh, struggling with and succeeding with on both ends of the floor at this point. All right, Nuggets Mavs. You know, there's this uh, – I was watching the game today, and the Mavs definitely got a little – uh, a little bit more loose with their offense in the fourth quarter as they started to kind of sort of make it close. Kind of one of those classic like fake comeback vibes, you know what I mean, where a team is clearly winning by 20-ish and then suddenly they let up defensively and the other team kind of makes a little bit of a run and then they the starters come back in and they kind of regain control of the game, right? So I, I like I'm watching in the early third quarter as the Nuggets are pushing it to 20. And I'm looking down and I'm like I'm like this Dallas team is having a hell of a time scoring. And we did a lot of deep dives. So for those of you guys who didn't see the deep dives last week we, or this week, we did Dallas, we did Memphis, we did Boston for deep dives. And then I think we might have done one or two more if I remember correctly. But we did a deep dive on Dallas and their offense. And at the time of the video, they were the very best offense in the league. And Luka was playing arguably better than anybody in the league. And Kyrie Irving was out during that, that stretch. And he's back now, right? And so like you're bringing an incredibly high-powered offense into Denver. Not only that, a specifically high-powered offense that should give Denver issues, right? Because it's a a pull-up shooting team. 
pull up shooting guard in uh, in in Kyrie Irving that uh, will pull your pick and roll coverage as far out. And Luka Doncic, a matchup attacker who can pick on guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic if he chooses to, right? So in theory, they should give them a lot of problems. And I'm watching the game and I'm like, holy shit, like Michael Porter Jr. is holding up on switches against Luka really well. They are causing major frustrations for this Mavericks team uh, on the offensive end of the floor. Like... Then I sat down and I looked at the numbers again, and I knew they were pretty good defensively in the first few games. I think I had them at like seventh after three or four games. But go uh, at the time, I, I uh, in the middle of the third quarter, I pulled up the defensive ratings, and, and Denver's popped up to fifth in defensive rating. They are they are playing some really high level defense right now, which is something that I don't think they ever did last year, aside from a few stretches in the playoffs. So like again, like. This is some really, really exciting stuff we're seeing out of Denver. It reminds me of like, I saw this with the Warriors in that like 2015, 2016 stretch where uh, it kind of seemed like they were almost addicted to winning. Where like, even though they've already won a title, even though they're already in commanding position in the standings, even though there's no real importance to the night-to-night games, they just kind of seemed like they were addicted to winning basketball games. And so they kept out playing teams that were more desperate than them. And it, it kind of became a cultural thing that is still stuck around in Golden State to this day. And like, I'm kind of starting to get that vibe from this Denver Nuggets team. Like every individual player, regardless of their role, is like super bought in. Like Michael Porter Jr. is a super skilled offensive player who is operating in a smaller role, right? But this is a dude that is sliding his feet and bothering Luka Doncic. He's kind of become a really good help and recover guy. There were several possessions today where he was able to get into the lane and dig down and bother a ball handler and then close out. And because he's got such great length, he can really bother a three-point shooter on a closeout. He had a couple on Grant Williams that he really bothered him. And so, like, you got Aaron Gordon who's, like, totally embraced this perimeter stopper role mixed with, like, post mismatch attacking mixed with like running the floor in transition and operating on that back line. Jamal Murray has played like an all-star to start this season. Peyton Watson has been a revelation on both ends of the floor as a switch defender. He's knocking down his three point shot. He's a devastating transition weapon. He's like, like this, this team is clicking at a level that doesn't actually make sense given their level of urgency. And again, like I know they had, you know, a random couple of weeks here or there last season where they defend well. But for the most part, it wasn't a cultural thing for that team. They came out the gates defending poorly, and they finished the season defending poorly. This year, from day one, they seem to be so much more locked in and engaged in those specific details. And when you combine that with them being the most unguardable offense in the NBA, it makes them terrifying. And, like, they look clearly like the championship favorite at this point. I think they're going to win this midseason tournament. You know, like, Nikola Jokic can get 25 to 30 points without ever really having to take a shot that's difficult for him. The toughest shot he took tonight was a, a, a catch-and-shoot three at the end of halftime, or right before the first uh, end of the first half, where he had to, like, kind of pivot into a three on the move. And Jokic was fired up. It was, like, one of the more, you know, you don't see him be very demonstrative from time to time, but he was super demonstrative in this particular uh, um after the shot, you know, uh, screaming to himself. It was like a, a moment for himself that he was stoked that he made the shot. But it's like, aside from that, which was a bailout shot at the end of the clock, like, it's all easy stuff that he's going to make a lot of the time. 
You know that that that's how we like the 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 ability to get twenty five to thirty points without ever really having to to go off script on offense and just basically be the fulcrum. But all the shots you get in the offense are, are shots he can make at a 70% clip. So you keep looking up, and it's like, oh, once again, Jokic, you know, twelve for fourteen from the field, and you're like, what the hell are, are we doing here, man? You know, like it, it's th- this team is just clicking at a higher level than anybody else in the league right now. Um, I know Boston's winning and winning by a lot, but I just can never trust that team until I see them uh, execute in the half court in the late phases of the playoffs, and they just feel like the safest bet right now. On the Dallas front, it really is this simple to me. Your transition defense was trash. That's ridiculous. You're, t- you're too fast to get outrun up and down the floor uh, by that Nuggets team. That was A lot of it was Luka. Luka kept making bad plays on offense and then bitching to the refs instead of running back. Um and you got to be great offensively to ever even have a chance against this Denver team. Like for two and a half quarters, they pretty much held you in check and you're not good enough defensively or on the glass to be able to hang with a team like Denver. If you can't score at the rate you're capable of scoring, it was a problem that Luca was picking on Michael Porter jr. And couldn't get the defense into rotation. It was a significant problem throughout the game. Kyrie played pretty well, just couldn't hit his three point shot. Um, uh, again, like like the, one of the consistent themes in this game is like they have some dirty work guys that compete. They have guys that are uh, uh, trying their best to hold down the defense and rebounding areas of the game. Guys like Josh Green, guys like Grant Williams, guys like uh, Derek Lively. But like still, it just felt like every time Denver missed a shot, there was Michael Porter Jr. for an offensive rebound. There was Aaron Gordon for an offensive rebound. When they were making their run there in the early fourth quarter, it was like back-to-back plays where like they just couldn't keep Aaron Gordon off the glass. And like that's the thing is like that there's levels to this shit, right? And like Dallas looks pretty good. They look like a great offense. They look like they've improved rebounding. They're better on defense than uh, than you would have expected them to be, and certainly a lot better than they were last year. But like the problem is, is like Denver also has an unguardable offense, except for they're also an outstanding rebounding team, and this season have been an outstanding defensive team. And 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 that 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 just goes to show you that like as good of a job as they've done to try to kind of reconfigure this roster around Luka and Kyrie, like there's still a whole other level they need to get to to be able to compete with the top teams in the league. But uh, again, they've been awesome through four games, so I don't want to overreact to one game. I was a little disappointed in Luka Doncic tonight, though. I thought that uh, uh, I thought that he would have done a better job picking apart that Denver Nuggets offense. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys for supporting the show. We are going to take the weekend off and be back on Monday to break down several games from the weekend. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Binge listen this and all your artist stations, plus any song from our library of millions of songs, all ad-free. Get your free 30-day trial of iHeartRadio All Access. You'll love it. Don't be basic. Be extra. Start your free 30-day trial of iHeartRadio All Access now.